0: Blow the whistle! And now, the greatest sports talk radio show going today. That's right,
1: Blow the Whistle. With your host, Brandon Statsjanuska. The White Sox are all in. They need to at least make it to the American League Championship Series. And even that might not be enough.
0: Tyler Butterball Beautiful.
2: Lonzo Ball, he's one heck of a playmaker. And he's going to set these guys up open. He's going to set up Levine, Now DeRozan, Vooch. He's going to be able to set these guys open. And last year, 37.8% from three-point. That's pretty darn good.
0: And David Double D Dykstra. Texas will be lucky to be 500. Oklahoma will be lucky to get out of there with no more than three losses. Like, they're they're going into conferences where they're going to get slapped. Hit us up on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blow T Whistle One. That's B L O W T W H I S T L E One. And now here's Brandon, Tyler, and David.
2: That's right. This is Blow the Whistle (laughs) on our usual Mondays. I know we've been kind of a little off on a few Uh, days, but Monday, back to being doing this on Mondays. Hopefully, we'll see. Our schedule's been all over the place, but you guys all know I'm always Tyler Beuerball, along with Brandon Januska, David Dykstra, and we got Jeremy Stouter on the board again this uh, this show. Hitting them ones and twosies, hitting them buttons and levels. So (laughs) we'll see if he can can keep a job here, contain himself. (laughs) (laughs) But do we have a show for you guys today? We're going to start off with White Sox. We're going to do two segments of Bears. We're going to start off with the offense. Go into the greatest segment of all time. You're killing me, smalls. Then gonna go end it off with the the Bears defense on that side. And then that'll be wrap it up for hour one. And then we'll tell you about hour two later. Ooh, teasy, tease it a little teasy. bit. So are you boys ready to get started? Let's go, man. There Come on. Go. Let's do it. Before I just want to give a shoot a huge thanks to the under the hood podcast listeners for giving us a listen and hopefully loving us. I mean, why Doing wouldn't in. you?
0: Well, first off, let, let's be honest. Tune in or tune out. We really don't care. We don't need your likes. We don't need your follows. We would appreciate them.
2: we like it. But we don't need them. No. <laughs> we don't need them.
0: <laughs> Joking, people. We're joke. joking. We love you all. Please listen to us. We need it.
2: Just love and positivity oh, up in here. We need it. <laughs> so, Chicago White Sox avoid elimination in a win last night against the Astros. 12-6. to And... In my opinion, the pitching looked a little bit better, which gives me a question to you guys: the Sox, the White Sox pitching looked a lot more under control in Game Three compared to the first two games. Should we expect Larusa to have a little more control over the bullpen in what's going to be today's game? But now tomorrow's game, as the game four got postponed. Let us know what you guys think on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, and Instagram, Twitter. Twitter Monday. <laughs> that's why we haven't done it in Mondays in a while. <laughs> At Blow T Whistle and That's B L W T W H I S T L E One. David, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna ask you the question first because I want to give my opinion later. But do you think that uh, should we expect Larusa to kind of get this bullpen pitching rotation a little more under control now that they they beat elimination and they still face elimination tomorrow, but it's, it, they, right now, it's just game by game.
0: I, it's going to be interesting to see how Larusa handles tomorrow. To be quite honest with you, uh, you have Rodon who's been dealing with arm soreness for what seems like forever. And if he goes out there and pitches well, how long does he go out there for? I'd say five innings at the most. And then you're getting into Kopech, uh, Crochet, uh, Tapera, Kimbrell, and and Hendricks again. That being said, I. <laughs> The, that's been the one disappointing aspect for me as far as this series has gone so far is that that starting pitching was has been very suspect and very, very non not good, no. not good at all. And, and Cease goes out there in the first inning, and that's the first time I've ever seen Dylan Cease hit 100 miles an hour. And I went... <laughs> Ooh somebody's got a little extra energy today. <laughs> Let's go and then then comes out and just poohpoos all over himself in the second inning and and it I'm like it's done. We're it, the game over it's 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 done why am I even watching this? I don't want to be upset anymore. but they come back, they score the runs that they score, have some weird weird plays happen in that, what was it, the fifth inning, Brandon? It was either the fifth or the sixth. I can't remember. Maybe it was the fourth. It was somewhere in that timeline. Just some weird stuff where even A.J. Przinski's going, I've never seen that. I, I've never seen fourth. it. Fourth inning. Okay, so it was the fourth. Uh, and and for me, Tapere comes in, looks solid. They bring Kimball in for that one, one person strikeout, get him out. Matchup had, that's Larusa being Larusa going okay. This is a better matchup, even though Tepa pitching quite well, and then bringing in whoever else needed to be brought in to finish it out. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, do you do you go with Lance Lynn tomorrow if Rodon poopoo's all over himself, or do, who who do you bring in? Who like
2: Kopech did not look good yesterday. No, he didn't look. He didn't look really good at all.
1: He gave up some hits. He gave up the home run to Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker's just been killing White Sox Tucker's pitching. Tucker's been on another level. Kyle, le- yeah, Kyle Tucker's been hot as of late. He's been killing Sox pitching. Kopech, he did get five strikeouts. He had, he was on for the most part. He was just missing. They were hitting him was the biggest thing. But what I take away from Kopech is they finally used him. And I think more so some of his struggles, he wasn't quite hitting his spot, were because he hadn't pitched in a week. So I think if he goes out again tomorrow, he'll he'll pitch he'll be better than he was yesterday, just because now he's knocked off some of that rust and he was able to pitch for the first time since the end of the season. He did not pitch at all in the playoffs so far, which was a big topic, a hot topic about should LaRusse have put him in at some point in Houston? I would say yes, he should have, but I mean that's another topic too. The bullpen overall, Paris look lights out. Aaron Bummer, he looked good yesterday. Kimbrell, you you mentioned it. He, they brought him in just for the matchup, but I I wouldn't go to Lynn tomorrow. You could, but.
0: My only issue is it's it's winner go home. Yeah, obviously. So, right. it, are you okay? So then are you are you bringing in I'd go
1: Lopez. You bring I'm, in Lopez. I would go. I don't think you'll get more than Ro, more than 4 innings from Rodon. And okay. that that might be asking a lot too. Rodon is not going more than 5 since it, July. It
0: it also depends on how well Rodon is pitching. Yeah. If he's getting a, like Cease had 11 pitches in that first inning. I'm like, "All right. Maybe we got a a deep one here today. And then he comes out. And like I said, just completely loses all control of his pitches. Isn't hitting his spots at all. And there is one thing that I have to say. The catcher for the Astros is a freaking wall. A freaking. I have not seen a pitch get by this guy the entire series. And his pitchers throw in the dirt constantly.
1: Yeah, Maldonado's great
0: behind the dish. Unbelievably great. Granted, your typical defensive catcher who isn't great necessarily offensively, but you can count on him that like a a 2-0 pitch, he's still calling for that curveball in the dirt, hoping the guy swings at it and knows he's going to block it because he has that much confidence in his defense. Unbelievably great to see that, but as far as tomorrow goes, it's going to be interesting to see how LaRusa handles that pitching issue if Rodon struggles and how how deep he does go.
2: Which I wanted to ask about if Rodon struggles because he's he struggled, he started game 1, I believe. No. He didn't. That was Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn. Okay, this I is got Rodon. That This is Rodon's
0: first start and that's okay, why I, I wondered if it comes up. down to it, does Lance Lynn
2: come in? That's that's what I'm wondering too because like, we, like you said, the, the starting pitching has just not started off great at all in this series. So, I mean, I just don't know if that's playoff jitters or, like, what do you guys think? Do you think that's just, like, the fact that this is playoffs now? They're kind of like, like you said, poo-pooing? Or uh, Honestly, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the approach of the
0: Astros. The Astros aren't going to swing at bad pitches. They're a very yeah. disciplined, disciplined team, and they're... It, They're getting ahead in the counts to where pitchers have to throw something across that plate and they're making contact. It's what it's coming down to. And to to
1: your point, the White Sox during the regular season, or rather the Astros during the regular season, had the fewest strikeouts for their batters. So this is not a team that strikes out. And the Sox, they're trying to get that punch out. And if the Astros work the count, they eventually work a walk, which has been the huge issue so far for the Sox, the walks. I mean... In, in game two, I believe four of the runs came via the walk. The bat, the runner was reached on a walk.
0: First two runs yesterday were via the walk. Yeah. He walked the first two in the second inning, and they both scored. So it, it's been a lot of that. It, it, it's inconsistency. The bats come alive, which gives you hope, because that, that's a huge deal for the White Sox. Those bats, top to bottom, the, the White Sox can go tit for tat with anybody. So if they can continue to do that, it's going to be very interesting. My worry with them postponing the game today was that Dusty Baker was going to make the move back to his game one pitcher, his ace. But it looks like they're going to stay with the, the pitchers that were going today for tomorrow. And, so,
1: And I think that's the right call on Dusty Baker's part because... Even if you lose this game, you know you get to go
2: back home
1: if this you're the true, Astros. Right. So I would save him for that home matchup or for game one of the next series if you do win this one. Well, he
2: still says they are under they haven't decided on a starting pitcher for tomorrow just yet. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Well, it's in like I said, it's
0: gonna be interesting to see who goes for if it makes it to game five. Let us no, to heck with that. We're gonna say when it gets to game five who the White Sox lean on. Is it going to be Giolito or is it going to be Lance Lynn?
2: And then just another thing, David, you and me talked about it earlier, and I was just a little confused by it because with Larusa's like, rotation when he's pulling his pitchers out and putting new ones in, to me, bummer, he was pitching well when he went in. He only had 24 pitches. I was a little thrown off why bummer was catching heat and why he decided to end that and just to put Kimberl in for one 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 out because I would have, in my opinion, I would have let Bummer pitch out that inning and then throw Kimbrell in. That,
0: that's where that's why the, where the 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 saber, the the the, the numbers come in. Yeah, you're going with your best odds. kimbrell has got better numbers against this certain hitter than than Bummer does. You bring in Bummer, yeah. or you bring oh, in Kimbrell. Although
1: Larusa did go against the odds in previous games already, so. Who knows what he's thinking yeah, half the it's, time. It's, it's very interesting.
2: Yes, yes, yes. So we'll have to see how they do in tomorrow. But do the Bears have one of the better running back depths? Stick around and hear our takes here on Blow the Whistle. Fields, throws, caught, touchdown, Horstead. Williams, spin move to the end zone, touchdown.
0: A great vision
2: by Williams, to spin move to the 40-yard line, the Bears with a win 20-9 to over the Raiders Courtesy to CBS Sports on those great highlights the Chicago Bears beat the Las Vegas Raiders on the road 20-9 and boy is it nice to hear this song two weeks in a row two weeks in a two row two weeks in a row hey
0: guess who's uh, uh, undefeated is a starter for them Chicago Bears
2: there it's right. It's uh, good old Justin Fields. Not as good as Dicka, but you know, we do what we do. <laughs> we do what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Chicago Bears win 20 9 on the road. And that is without having star running back David Montgomery. And which brings my question into you guys and the listeners is without Montgomery, will the Bears' run game still be dominant with Williams and Herbert? Sharing handoffs. Let us know on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blow T Whistle One. That's B L O W T W H I S T L E One. Well, with Herbert and Williams, they both combined for 139 yards rushing, and Williams ran one in for six. So, overall, I mean, not saying I was surprised, but I was relieved to see that the run game didn't stop. Like, I, like, because. David Montgomery has been a dominant running back so far in the league for the Bears. And so to see the rookie step up and Williams to kind of step in as well, it was a little bit of a surprise. But, I mean, it was a relief to see that it wasn't just – the play calling wasn't just going to be pass, 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 pass and just leave it for Justin Fields. That The Bears' offense was able to rely on the run game as well. So to see those guys step up when running back one is down – was a huge relief for me as a Bears fan. And I don't know about you guys, but if you guys are as impressed, I'll go over to Brandon as David's already volunteering him to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all. I anticipated them to stick with the run because they don't want to throw Justin Fields out there and under fire. If Matt Nagy was calling plays, maybe it would have been throw, throw, throw. But Bill Lazor... It worked last week. And so continue with it. And this is now the identity of the Bears. It's run the ball. Williams did well last year or last week after Montgomery went down. I anticipated them to have a good running game or try to commit to the run and all the talk about Herbert throughout the week. It's like they were talking about Herbert more than they were Williams and Williams is the next guy on the depth chart. Although Herbert did end up with more yards and attempts, 18 attempts compared to Williams 16 attempts. So, I think it will be a tandem between the two. I was hesitant to pick up Damian Williams in one of my fantasy leagues. I did, and he did well with the touchdown, but I thought it might be a sharehold between the two, and that's what it ended up being. He they both looked
0: very elusive, very very quick on their feet. Uh Herbert looked phenomenal for a rookie getting thrown to the into the deep end of the pool against a quality front 7 from from the Raiders. Uh Justin did exactly what he was supposed to do, manage that game, make some plays where it because no one's making that throw but Justin Fields for the touchdown. Oh, that, absolutely! That he put some zip on that ball. Whew. But once again, th- there's a concern out there with when it comes to Justin Fields. He he's got to be a little bit quicker with his decisions to to slide and and to make moves to get outside the pocket and run which led him to hyperextending his knee and <laughs> the first that words out of my mouth ball game over ball game <laughs> over uh in comes yeah, Andy
2: I, Dalton and I I would have been I think every every Bears fan's heart skipped a beat when that happened I
0: would have been seriously concerned Uh, I
1: I think they still could have won the game even if Dalton comes in just because of the game plan they were using. Obviously, I didn't want fields to get hurt, but I wasn't thinking ball game over. Bears are going to lose now. I still had faith that the Bears could win that game. There
0: is a different and and this is no knock on Andy Dalton. He's he's doing fine as a game manager for the Bears, but there there's a different dynamic when Justin Fields is out on that field and you can tell the, the energy level just picks up for that offensive line and the other people on the offensive side of the ball. Andy Dalton's in it. Yeah, we know what we got to do, Andy, kind of thing. It's how I feel it goes. That being said... Lose another offensive lineman. I, I'm sure Brandon isn't too upset about it,
1: but <laughs> or a fatty. <laughs> oh shucks. <laughs> I don't got, wish injury on him. We've but. got, we've got. <laughs> he doesn't wish year, it,
2: but he doesn't. He's,
1: he's not but, complaining I mean, about it. I, it. Last year we is have, it a huge loss? I mean, it's a big body, but <laughs> last
0: year we have we have the utter hate from Butterball towards Leno Junior. <laughs> this year it's a Fetty and. And, Who's and Brandon <laughs> going at it and God,
1: I, I I don't have a I don't have listen I didn't like a feady last year either <laughs> I'm not I'm
0: not going after anybody on that offensive line we need them all to stay healthy at this point
2: The Bears the, we we the Bears need as much help in the offensive line as possible My biggest issue though
0: my biggest issue is that these tight ends need to start showing up more Granted oh, there was I a agree. touchdown and a catch but where else were they like I want to see them be involved in this game plan because I think that's where the Bears might have strengths over other teams in the NFL because you've got three not maybe even four now quality yeah. tight ends with Jesse James with
1: Commack yeah. Although James Kmet. is hurt. Is he, yeah. Hurt, yeah, he he's he's hurt. hurt? He didn't even play. He okay. was inactive.
0: All right. But I didn't you, I didn't know that he but all
2: four of these guys are, are quality, quality tight ends from what I can see. And what I'm up s i am up I mean, what I'm hoping to see more about what I've been wanting to see more is I want them to use because this is Comet's second year. I want them to use a little more of Komet because I mean Jimmy Graham's kind of getting up in age. We, we don't know how long we're gonna have with him. And you drafted this kid, so you use him to the top of his ability, and he is a talented tight end. I want to see more plays suited for him. And then just going back to David, what you were saying about how the offensive line just seems to get that extra push when fields is in. I totally agree. I've noticed that the offensive line, it's just, they hold their blocks. They, they hold their own like a little bit more. I don't know if that's because, I don't know if it's because they're just more excited that fields is starting or because the, now that laser is making the calls of the play, if they're, Doing something a little bit different to give Fields that a little bit more extra time to th- get these play these throws off.
1: And not a, I, go ahead, Brandon. Not only that, it could be on the defensive side as well. The fact that maybe the offensive line isn't playing with more energy, the defensive line is just a little more hesitant on the pass rush because Justin Fields can roll out. There, there's there's some, a, I would, I would point.
0: say, I would say there's some of that, Brandon. But I would also say the Bears are not a a big offensive line like you typically have in the right. NFL. They're more of the athletic type of, and with Justin, they can use their athleticism to their advantage in moving the pocket, moving, moving to get uh running back holes open and things like that to where they're using their athleticism to their, their, their benefit compared to standing still and, and trying to just block for a quarterback. Who's a, a pocket passer. If that makes sense?
2: Yeah. No, I I agree. Which, I mean, that's why I was a little more not upset, but I was again. I was hoping to see there wasn't as many much rollout plays in this game than I was expecting to. Now that they officially announced Fields as the starter, I would feel like they'd go to the playbook for that would fit Fields. The play action they do a lot of play actions, which for that all that tends to uh, work out a lot for Fields. But I want to see a little more rollouts. I want to see. I want to see fields roll out to the right and just making plays across field. But I I don't know if that's baby steps while, while uh, fields is getting used to being the, the QB one for the remainder of the season or what that deal is.
0: I would yeah. almost, I would almost expect that the laser is uh got probably a condensed offensive play calling right now. And as the season progresses and, in more and his fields gets a better grip on the whole playbook. That it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and that, bigger and bigger. That
2: would make sense because just in general, having a rookie being a rookie and starting in the NFL—that's a lot of, lot of jitterbugs going on right now. So I mean, I never used that word before. Like- <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of jitterbugs. Jitterb- jitterbugs, such a southern thing. But uh, I mean, Justin Fields is from Georgia. But uh, anyways, um. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like he wants to wait until Justin Fields to get his composure a little bit more and get into that state of mind of being the starting quarterback. And then, yeah, kind of throwing off more plays to him and extending more plays suited for him and see where this thing goes.
1: Yeah, and real quick, back to your point about the tight ends too. I liked that they started using Cole Komet toward the end of the game. That's when he really started to get his targets because he actually finished just... One target behind both Mooney and Robinson. They each had five targets. Komet ended with four. And, yeah, you'd like to see more of the tight ends as well, but they're not really passing the ball to begin with. So that's, if you include the one catch, the touchdown catch by Horstead, that's 25% of the targets went to tight ends. So they are getting them involved. They're just not, it doesn't seem that way because they're not passing To begin with, they're not throwing the ball at all.
0: It's not your prototypical NFL team right now that's throwing, what, 75% of the time and running 20?
1: This is is back-to-back weeks. They've had more rushing yards than passing yards. Yeah, but
0: it's working right now. Now, is that going to work next week? I'm probably going to sit here and tell you no. Yeah. Uh, You have the the antichrist coming into soldier field.
1: (laughs) Although they've looked beatable.
0: They 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 have not lost,
1: but they, well, they, they they lost one. Their 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 defense
0: is suspect. Their defense is absolutely suspect. And I, I believe that run game is going to be crucial for them to playing that game, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. But I, I, they're going to have, it's a step up next week. And if they win, they're tied for the, for the, the division lead and actually have a, a, A game, not a game up, but like a win up on the Packers because they have then beaten the Packers. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this game plan develops and goes forward next week for the offense.
2: Definitely. Well, boys, it is that time that we all love. No, it's not Brandon doing the updates, even though some of us love it when he does it. (laughs) I got this one. (laughs) But it is time. That's great. That is fantastic. (laughs) But it is time for the greatest segment in radio history, Your Killing Me Smalls, where we get to rant off on head-scratching moments in sports that happened over the week. And we all know that you had those moments, too, which is why you need to send them to us on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Whistle one That's B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. You're killing me. That's right. It is time for chaos. You're killing me, Smalls, which we all love to do. And to our listeners at the Under the Hood Podcast, this is might be a little, something a little new for you guys. If you have been, if you haven't been listening to our show, where we just get to rant about anything in sports. Honestly, it could be anything. Brandon ranted about himself last week. That was Straight awesome. It, that it was happens. great. That was amazing. So I'm going to start this off. David, since you just walked in. I'm going to hand it off to you. I want to see Oh, you want you-,
0: you want. you want me to go just right go off the bat? Right let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. You never go first, Dave. You go. <laughs> <laughs> um, my you're killing me Smalls. this week goes out to all. Not all, but most of the NFL kickers this weekend. For the love of all that is good in the world, you have one, maybe two jobs at the most. Kickoffs and field goals and extra points which are field goals in essence. The fact that so many field goals were missed over the weekend is mind blowing to me. You have one thing to focus on throughout the week and it's making field goals. But most of you are on Twitter or checking out your social medias and all that and not practicing kicking field goals. Hey, um, Mason Crosby (coughs) talking to you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you had, I want to say, four t- four chances to win a game, three for sure, and you made one, and one of them was a 33-yard field goal. I'm telling you right now,
2: as a former high school kicker, I can make a 33-yard field goal. You kicked in high school? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I know you played fullback. I played
0: fullback, and I was a kicker. No kidding yeah I was old school though I didn't do the soccer style I did the straight
2: on kick. Oh, okay
0: I'm an old man what can I say <laughs> but it just boggles my because that's all I ever did in practice
2: just kick field goals kick field goals yeah.
0: I'd, I'd stay a half hour to an hour after practice because I was a fullback as well but I'd say a half hour hour after practice and just kick field goals to make sure I wasn't gonna I, I had my rhythm down right I had the you know the holder was holding the ball properly everything was Perfect. Now, granted, there are instances that things go right. I I can get it when it's from 50 and beyond. And even nowadays with the kickers as good as they are, 50 and beyond has become something that's made more often than not. Yeah. Luckily, the the Bears have found themselves a
2: brilliant kicker. Hallelujah. Santos is just in fuego. After the dark hole of having Parky.
0: Well... You know, you'll have a double doink here and there. But that being said, it is not difficult kickers to get it through uprights. There is a reason you are probably the most disliked person (laughs) on a football team because you have one job. And if you cannot do that job, you need to go home or away. And just there are plenty of kickers out there that can make those kicks. So for NFL kickers, not doing the one thing that
2: you are supposed to do, I give you a big old.
0: You're killing me, smalls!
2: <laughs> that was great. No, I mean, I totally agree. They have one job, you should be doing it. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to toss it to you. We'll go down the line. All right, so I'm going
1: baseball, of course. <laughs> and yesterday was a crazy day. Well, in you terms and I, of I can already tell you
0: and I are going to disagree on this one, but in,
1: bring it, buddy. In terms of controversial. Calls, yeah. So we'll start with the big one. We kind of alluded to it earlier with the White Sox and Yasmani Grandal in the fourth inning hit a ground ball. Luis Robert was coming home, he hit a ground ball, and the throw from Yuli Guriel hit Grandal in the arm as he was trying to throw it to Maldonado, the catcher. So it hit him, it veered off. The run scores, and it ends up an error on Gurriel. and so a throwing error on Gurriel. Dusty Baker comes out to try to argue interference. No interference was called because Grandal did not veer off course. He was on the grass. He was not on the dirt whatsoever. He had both feet on the grass, the infield grass. So he was not in the baseline, but the baseline is not established until you're 45 feet from first base. So since he he veered straight, he ran straight on the hit, he was not called out. He was safe. No runner's interference on the play. I, I guess I, I thought he should have been out, but not because of the rule. I think it's the rule is need, is what needs to be changed. Okay. Because on the play like that, you can't be. He basically followed the ball when it's hit. He said, I didn't intentionally get in front of the ball. That may be true, but he knows where he hit the ball and he followed the ball on the hit. So he's running clearly on the grass, not in the on the dirt, in the baseline at all, and gets hit with the ball. To me, that's an out. And definitely shouldn't be an error on Gurriel because that's just unfortunate there. He didn't stick out his arm. But to me, that's an out. So, I mean, you I, said I, I you listen, have your, your rebuttal. Listen, I,
0: I don't necessarily... I agree with the fact that if they're going to make it a rule, the rule needs to be changed because as the rules are right now, he did nothing wrong. Do I disagree with you in the fact that it was, it was kind of of a honky play and he probably knew what he was doing? Absolutely. But so did A.J. Brzezinski when all I was going to say, that- yeah,
1: I definitely think he knew what he was doing. He came out and said he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah,
0: so for that, yeah, okay, I can get that.
1: But I, I do I do agree with you that
0: it does need to be changed. They need to make a you need either need to run outside the line or on the line. I would say,
1: yeah, going I mean, up you, that you first stage. You at path. least be on the dirt. You yeah. can't be both feet on the grass. And still be safe on that. So, again, this is more so toward the MLB rule. And then, real quick, also the, the Red Sox-Rays play as well. Christian Vasquez walked it off. But, I mean, Kevin Kiermeyer hit a ball, bounced off the base of the roll, then off right fielder Hunter Renfro before going over the outfield fence. Ends up a double. Yanni De- Diaz, who scored on the play. He was stealing second on the play ends up coming around, would have scored easily, has to go back to third because it's where you were at the time of the pitch on an unintentional ball. If it was intentionally thrown over and he had control and Ruffell threw it over the fence, he scores. But since it unintentionally went over, he doesn't score, even though he clearly would have. So MLB, you've got a CBA CBA talks are coming up after this season those are two things you need to talk to because right now the rules currently as they stand I say to you you're killing me
0: Smalls
2: alright I guess it's my turn um I don't know if if you guys saw fight three of Fury and Wilder saw the highlights oh god
0: somebody got his butt knocked out (coughs) do
2: (laughs) da (laughs) do (laughs) da yeah uh, Wilder definitely got knocked the heck out and he was struggling uh, the it entire was, fight it
0: was, it was Chris Tucker all over again <laughs> in my head
2: you just got knocked the heck out <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just going after the whole fight in general I don't know I saw the I saw fight two when it whenever it was and then I'm like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna tune into this but I, I don't know it's These two guys don't, to me, look like legitimate boxers. Like, if you want to compare them to, like, Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali, there's actual punches being thrown. These two guys, Fury and Wilder, are throwing absolute haymakers, like, uncontrollably just swinging their arms around. There was, like, some good hits. Like, they both had some good hits on each other. But I'm like, first off, they were totally all out of shape. Like, they were just getting gassed, like, after the second round and they were just throwing whatever the hell they were able to throw out there. So I mean, I feel bad for anyone that was able that had to that paid for the pay-per-view to watch this game. I was able to watch it on a free streaming site. But I mean, it's just I don't know, all the overhype about this fight when to me it just looked like a huge amateur fight you see on like on Rough and Rowdy of Barstool Sports. So I mean, I don't know, to me it wasn't as entertaining. It was cool seeing a uh, fear Wilder getting knocked out because I mean that was a that was a heck of a punch by Fury, but I mean t- to me just overall it just it was a very disappointing fight. So for that, the Tyson Fury and Wilder fight, I give you a big old. You're killing
0: me, Smalls.
2: Okay, let's be real though. What major
0: boxing main event fight has ever truly lived up?
2: To its expectations. To its
0: expectations. There
2: hasn't been one in ever, the only forever.
0: one that I can see coming up, and it's not even going to be a heavyweight fight, is probably Canela, and if he can talk Floyd Mayweather into coming out of retirement. And I don't think be a, I don't think Mayweather's gonna be stupid enough to do it because Canela right now will waylay him. Canela is on a different level than any other boxer in boxing right he's, now.
2: He's another he's a different being. Yeah, he's insane. Well, that wraps up our wonderful chaos of the week. Bears defense are starting to come out of hibernation. We'll tell you how we feel about this Bears D here on Blow the Whistle. Roberson rolling, delivers, incomplete. With two seconds left, Penn State. Credit to CBS Sports. <laughs> <of course. laughs> yeah, we had a little mix-up. A little, a little dink on this Monday show, but that's all Oopsie right. Oopsie doodles. Oopsie doisy. So we're going to talk Chicago Bears defense, and I have a question for you gents and to our listeners. Is, is Desai starting to have more of a control on this Bears defense as his first year as a defensive coordinator? Let us know on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram – at Blow T Whistle One, that's B L O W T W H I S T L E One. So the Bears had total of three sacks and four tackle for losses in this game against the Vegas in the against the Las Vegas Raiders, and they even had an interception as well, a a very very nicely timed interception. I don't know if you guys uh, thought, thought so too, but to me, it looks like Sean Desai is. Starting get, to get this defense a little bit more under control. We're seeing a lot more of Mac. We have like I'm, I feel like Mac has been more involved this season already than he has been last season. So that's why I'm saying I can't. They're coming out of a hibernation. So this defense is starting to wake up a little more, and they're starting to look a much more of a solid defense. In my, I mean, Brandon or David's shaking his head. Um, or there's. <sighs> It's, it's tough for me to say
0: because right now, there's a lot of things going for the Bears. I mean, the return of the Mac. It, return of the Mac. Return of uh, the anyway, Mac. should have played that. Now, uh, that being said, there's a lot of things going into that being an ability for them. Robert Quinn showing up for and playing football helps out Khalil Mack beyond anybody else's realization because now you can't just focus on Khalil Mack because... You know, Robert Quinn's playing El Toro poo-poo games all the time and not showing up. He's now showing up, making plays, and now you've got to worry about it. Well, if we double-team Mac, Quinn's coming on the other side. And if we double-team Quinn, Mac's coming on the other side. So it's a, it's a catch-22 for any offensive coordinator. I think they're way more aggressive. They're flying to the ball. Uh I'd I'd like to see a little more out of the secondary, to be honest with you.
2: I I, I agree with that. Uh,
0: in my eyes, J- uh, Jalen Johnson needs to step up a, a, a tad more. Valdor has not impressed me yet. Uh, great play by the safeties, Houston yesterday, on, on the timing of that of that throw. Absolutely, I agree with you there. But but they're being opportuni- opportunistic. Uh, they were two inches away from having Carr fumble that football on the inch yard line with Jackson throwing his arm in between Carr's arms and ripping that ball out and it coming right to him. I mean, that was in, that was inches away from being an unbelievably brilliant pay, play by Jackson. Unbelievably brilliant pay, play. But there are some things that that I would like to see them work on. Uh, Roquan Smith had a decent game yesterday, but I'd like to see him step up to be that elite, Linebacker that everybody thinks and knows he will be, and maybe this was just an off game for him.
2: Going off, uh, piggybacking of what you said about with Robert Quinn, I told yeah, I totally agree. The reason why I kind of focus it more on Khalil Mack because obviously he he's like the star or like the was the, the godsend coming into the Bears defense when the Bears signed him, but I think that was the biggest thing for last season is that Mack was just getting double teamed. of the time, and there was no help with Quinn on the other side. So now seeing that Quinn is stepping up and making an appearance in these games is opening up more for Khalil Mack, too. So it's good to see. I'm glad to see that with uh, Robert Quinn as well. Like I was kind of worried about that coming into the season because we didn't see much of that. Last year, so it's nice. To, I mean, I was just kind of more focused on Klimak because he's he's just the bigger name on the Bears defense. But yeah, I totally agree. It's like we're seeing a lot more of Quinn, and now it's like it's nice to see that we can see back and forth of each of them stepping up more and more each play.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, I'm. Real quick, I do want to ask you though. What more do you want to see from a guy like Jalen Johnson? Because Jalen Johnson has actually shut down everyone he's covered,
0: and, and I'm not arguing the fact that he's shut shutting. I, okay, you, you're a you're a number one cornerback, cornerback in the NFL. I, I need you to act like the superstar that you are
1: by yeah. not allowing catches to the guy you're covering, which some, is what he's doing. I want some interceptions. He has one.
0: I, I, he has one.
1: I, I don't know. I'm being greedy see, here. But the question is, if you're a shutdown corner, they're not going to throw, throw toward you, and you're not going to get picks. I,
0: I, I can see where you're coming from. I, I just feel like that, that there needs to be – I want him to have that mystique. He had it last year. Like, he was calling out Julio Jones And last year, he had zero picks. But you're not hearing from him this year. I want
1: I want that attitude. But that's good. That's good if you're not hearing from a cornerback because that means that he's not getting burned. Who do you hear about? You hear about Eddie Jackson blew the coverage. No, 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 no
0: Jackson that's not, blew the coverage. I'm not saying I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear him being called out during games, it, unless it's
1: for you know. So you them, think he needs to be more of a leader and talk more vocal? Okay. I want him being more vocal. Okay. They're, they're, that, yeah, yeah, more that vocal. I agree with. More. I, I want
0: there to be a mystique because they've got. Valdor is the only one that I have true issues with. I think our safeties are solid; they're not great, but they're solid. But if you get that little bit of chip on your shoulder, that little bit of attitude, people might start fearing, you know, passing as much as they do against the Bears. Yeah,
2: I am really liking to see that. They're using Eddie Jackson a little bit more on safety blitzes, which is a different side of Jackson that we've seen because we've always seen him as a ball hawk and not so much this season. But at least most every play that I've seen him blitz, he's 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 involved in the play, in the tackle for loss, which has been outstanding. And I think because, I mean, you see like the defenses that use those safety blitzes, those defenses that have those safeties like Tyron Matthew, or um, they when they use those safeties for the blitz, it always turns out pretty good. So, I mean, seeing Andy Jackson involved in that, has been I've been liking that play calling a lot more. It's a, it's a much
0: more aggressive defense this year, and it, it's going to cause situations where they're going to get toasted every once in a while. They're going to give up chunk plays every once in a while. But for the most part, I'll say this about any defense. I, I say it about Penn State all the time. I'll say it about the Bears. I'll say it about Pittsburgh. I could care less what goes on from 20 to 20. Give up all the yards you want. You get into that red zone and you shut them down and uh, and stop them for a field goal, you win. You and,
1: win. And that kind of defines the Bears' defense these last couple weeks, too. Yeah. They're, all the red zone stops that they've made these last couple weeks. And, yeah, I totally agree that the pass rush is kind of the key here. The Bears were two top ten uh, pass rushers in terms of sacks. And Mack with five, he's tied for fifth. And then four and a half from Robert Quinn. And that's what the Bears signed him for. Exactly. They finally have, that, like you said, that danger. Who, who do you cover? Who do you double team? That's why they signed him. And now that they finally have it, it's a trickle-down effect. It all starts up front.
0: And then the scary part is Gibson's playing yeah. ball.
1: And when Hicks oh, yes. comes back, Hicks wasn't
0: even out there. Yeah. And when Hicks is, that front five, to six, to seven is scary. How do you defend that? How are you going to... Who are you going to double team? Who are you not? Because guaranteed, the one person that you don't is going to get pressure. May not get to the quarterback every time, but is going to give you some kind of pressure.
2: Now, with that being said, big, big game this upcoming Sunday. Biggest rivalry probably in NFL history. Bears host the Packers this Sunday at noon. What... how are you guys feeling about this? What do we expect? Because all depends we, on
0: what Bears offense shows up. Honestly, the Packers honest defense to God.
2: hasn't been impressing me, and they give up. Season.
0: They give up chunk runs, chunk mm-hmm. runs. So for me, it's if you establish that running game, control the time of possession, keep that ball out of the Antichrist's. <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> you know, hands. Yes, you've got a chance to win this game and be on top of the division.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, but one of the big things is the Bengals showed it. You can get to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, This line is not invincible. You can get to him, and that's going to be a key, too. It's going to come. I think the Bears are going to have to pass a little more than they did. Establish the run, for sure, to keep the Packers' offense off the field. But they are probably, it's going to come down to, they're going to have to have a drive where they go down the field probably passing the ball a little more than they have been. So I expect... If they're going to win this game, Fields is going to have to step up and show that he can be that passer, lead a two-minute offense, and drive down the field. And then the pass
2: rush is going to have to get to Rodgers. I agree. I can't agree with you anymore. Well, that unfortunately wraps up our one of the show. Oh, but that's right. We have our number two. In this next hour, we are going to be talking college football, starting off with Big Ten, and then the remainder of the. Thriller upsets that have happened in college football. Then we're going to go on to Bulls and Blackhawks. Stay tuned here on Blow the Whistle. Roberson, rolling, delivers. Incomplete. With two seconds left, Penn State turns it over on downs, and the Iowa Hawkeyes will remain undefeated. Credit to FS1 and Big Ten Network on... Those wonderful highlights that got cut too soon, but we are back here for hour two on Blow the Whistle. Still here, I am Tyler Buterball, along with Brandon Januska, David Dykstra, and Jeremy Stouter here on the board. So we're gonna start. We're gonna start things off talking Big Ten football. Some huge games that we're gonna talk about, and one that we're gonna start off with: Penn State and Iowa as. Iowa beats Penn State 23 to 20. And a question I had to the listeners and you guys, and David, I'm going to start with you first. Of course you are. Well, you're <laughs> wearing the Penn State hats. So. Did, did he even watch the game? <laughs> Not at all. So, my question to you is if Clifford never went out, could the end of that matchup be a different outcome? Let us give us your thoughts on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blow2Whistle1. That's B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. So, David, I'm going to let you start it off. Clifford went out in the middle of the game. I'm
0: not even going to let you finish the sentence. Heck, yes, they would have won. <laughs> Heck, okay. yes. They were moving that ball. They had complete control of that game. Clifford goes out, and unfortunately, Taquan Robinson, or Roberson, comes in, and he, he just... The, the moment got the best of him. And you could tell he was, he was frazzled. He, he, his emotions were all over the place. He did not play a good game. His throws were erratic. They were off. Now I'll give Iowa credit where credits due. They put up, uh, 20, 20 points on the Penn state defense in the second half. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't all fall on the offense. I would, the first thing that I texted my dad and my son was, let's hope this defense can hold it because that's the only way that they're they're winning this game. And it was one play. They gave up a big play one time and it cost them the game. So that being said, I think the game's completely different. Home for I think the game's completely different if Clifford's still in the game. I think that offense moves down the field, scores some more points and puts it out of reach. And we're not talking about it today. I'm not here to make excuses. Iowa won the game. They came back, did what they had to do to win the game, and and it's next man up mentality for Penn State. You have to be ready, and and Roberson obviously, Taquan obviously was not. So kudos to Iowa. Great win for them and their their school. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and poo poo all over it. I'm just not. Uh, they they won the game, and that's how it goes.
2: Yeah, no, but like I'm looking at here, Penn State, they, they had them in the first half, and then it just seemed like oh, they completely were dominated absolutely that first half. in the first half, and then it just seemed like Iowa either, they kind of turned it up a little, but then also with Robertson having to come in, it's just that puts a whole different field. I
0: don't know how many three and outs Penn State had in that second half, but there was a lot. That defense was on the field a lot in that second half, and there's only so much you can ask of a defense when you're constantly on the field, because your quarterback can't Get put together any sustainable drive. They had one sustainable drive in the second half that got them two, three points.
2: Yeah, Brennan, what did what about? Let's talk about this game. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, Sean Clifford. Uh, there's no status on him yet. Franklin's not likely okay, to get one. What, he'll be, he'll be asked about it that tomorrow. Is the, the for me as a Penn State.
0: Penn State fan is the most agitating thing about Penn State football. They will never ever disclose what the injury was and how long they're going to be out for. It looked to be a lower back or rib injury to me, which if he can play through it uh, with a flap jacket, I'm hoping Uh, good news is they play Illinois next, I believe. (laughs) So uh, it's not, they, they probably will rest uh, Clifford because they've got Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State still to come in this in this gauntlet that is the big Big 10 East.
1: Yeah, I mean and so yeah, Franklin, he has a media session tomorrow but who knows like you said, who would, knows if I, he'll I, say anything. I would almost
0: guarantee nothing's going to yeah, come Yeah, I'm tomorrow. sure
1: he'll be asked about it but who knows if he'll actually give any updates on it and yeah, I mean it seemed like Penn State was going to take care of this one early on, and then it just started to fall apart from there.
0: Yeah, the wheels just fell off. But, I mean, there were there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the Big Ten. For the first time, and I can't remember how long. You've got five. Yeah. Five teams from the Big Ten in the top ten.
2: Yeah, no, I was just going to uh, bring up to that. With the new rankings now, so, yes. Um, sorry, I'm just pulling it up right here. I was too, which to me Iowa and and this is
0: going to sound very very homerish but i was not the best team in the big 10 and probably should not be their defense is phenomenal don't get me wrong their their secondary is is by far probably one of the best secondaries in the nation if not the best secondary in the nation uh but they're not a number 2 team they go up against anybody in that top 5 to 6 they're going to get waylaid. Their offense is absolutely, absolutely atrocious. They need that running game to get going way better for their quarterback to feel any kind of comfortable.
2: Yeah, so Iowa at 2, and then Ohio State 6, Penn State Cash. 7, Michigan 8, and then Michigan State at 10.
0: Which, if in my eyes, the most, the most complete team in the Big Ten, and I know this is going to sound homer, is Penn State. Ohio State, who have they played? They played Oregon and lost. They haven't played anybody besides that. True. Michigan hasn't played anybody yet to show that they are worthy. And all they have in my eyes is a running game.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, that's all
0: I've really seen. Michigan State, same thing. But their running game is it an elite, elite
2: One impressive level. thing, I got to say, Michigan's quarterback hasn't thrown an interception in his entire college career until Saturday. First interception until thrown in but, but here's in Nebraska. the thing.
0: How, how often are you having to actually put yourself in a position where you have to throw the ball in yeah, a if tight... You're, if you're pounding right. on teams. If you're pounding on teams no, and running exactly. the ball. But he's that, a junior, so that's, that's, this is his
2: whole career in general, I'm just saying. Man. This but, yeah. is the
0: first year he started, so...
2: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, then
0: <laughs> But see, that's my whole thing. That's, that's my whole thing is all these teams that are in the top 10 for for the Big 10, there in my eyes there's maybe two legitimate top 10 teams. And that's probably Ohio State and Penn State. Ohio State's offense is elite. Penn State's probably your most complete team. Michigan and Michigan State are unproven to me. They haven't played anybody and they are relying on a ground attack that probably if it doesn't if it gets shut down, they will struggle. I could be wrong, but Time will tell,
2: and you brought up Michigan, and this is just a game I wanted to quickly go over because why not, bro,
0: <laughs> bro? They had him
2: I think no, I totally they had him. And, and, and I saw that
0: last play from from uh, Martinez, yeah. and oh, that's just a gut punch,
2: dude. So if anyone hasn't known or saw Michigan beat saves from being beat against Nebraska Cornhuskers, thirty-two to twenty-nine, and I was watching this game, and oh. It, it broke my heart. Yeah, it, Nebraska was having a phenomenal beginning of the second half. Mart, the offense was looking great. Defense was holding their own. They were marching down the field, scoring back and forth, something I haven't seen from Nebraska in a while. Adrian Martinez having a solid game until he fumbles the ball at the, I believe at their own 25, 30. Given Michigan turning over, sh- Michigan gets the field goal, and then Nebraska just loses all of their mojo for the remainder of the game. But I mean, I gotta give it to if Michigan, if on paper is as good as they're supposed to be, I give this a, I I give kudos to the the Huskers for keeping themselves with Wolverines. But we we're still a little iffy on Michigan.
0: Okay, once again, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something as a as a Cornhusker fan you are at the precipice of that team taking that next step. Oh, yeah! you guys are the Cornhuskers are in games constantly and they, they need to get that winning mentality for their, their school back that they used to have. Oh, we're in a close game. We're going to win this. No problem. They don't have that right now. That losing mentality is, is forefront for them. But that being said, Look at the games that Michigan has played in the Big Ten. Rutgers, barely won. Nebraska, barely won. Right. I mean, these are all teams that I would consider middle-of-the-pack middle teams that they are, are barely beating. Winning, granted. Good for you, Jim Harbaugh. But,
2: <laughs> but once again. Well, they're kind of similar to me. They're similar to me as how I feel about Oklahoma. Oklahoma, there hasn't been many games that they've Proven to me that they're up in top five.
0: We're gonna get to Oklahoma yeah, yeah. next segment because that team has changed in my eyes. A little, they definitely in my look better. Eyes, that team has changed
2: from coming. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I, I I agree with you as much as I have complained about the Cornhuskers on our show. They are at that. They're they're getting to that. They're one on step the break because they are. I was like after I'm like. I'm getting all worked up and complain about them. I go back to their previous games. I'm like, they were they were just there in all these games. Some of them not the greatest, but like even Oklahoma and the other games, they were just right there.
0: And if and if that board committee for Nebraska does not see that Scott Frost is getting them there and fires him, poo-poo on you Nebraska for doing that because he's getting them there. He's getting the recruits. He's getting the talent there. It's going. I don't think Nebraska really understood how deep they were. Now they're getting back there. Now, that being said, I do want to give a nice little shout-out. Hey, uh, Illinois, how's Brett Bielema doing there, buckos?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to give this moment real quick. Scott Frost, if you're listening, I apologize It was never towards you. It was, (laughs) I am just, I've just been a Huskers fan for a while. And I've been waiting so long. I've been frustrated with everything going on, but I trust the process. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I mean the next, next big date really for big 10 football, like you said, it's easy, easy skating here. The next couple of weeks for teams, Penn state a buy. And then Illinois, like you said, the end of the month, October 30th is the next real date when these teams actually play someone. Penn state, at Ohio State, and then Michigan at Michigan State. We'll see State. how
0: real deal these Buckeyes really yeah. are. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm, I'm dead serious about that. So a couple of currently top 10 teams will go head-to-head. That's at the end of the month.
2: Well, there is a new number one in the college football rankings after a devastating surprise loss over the weekend. We'll tell you who that is here on Blow the Whistle. Seth Small,
0: 10 28 yards away for an eggy upset win. And it's good. He got it. Direct snap. Brooks trying to make something happen. He breaks free. And he breaks out. Forget the field goal. Win it with a touchdown. Levis going to take off himself. And he will bounce off for a
2: first down and a spin move. Will Levis motors his way to the five. Credits to ESPN CBS and Big Fox Sports. <laughs> Big <laughs> was Fox sports. There was a lot of sports. There too Big, many to Big Fox, Fox Sports. Big Fox Sports. Courtesy to all of them for those great highlights. <laughs> and courtesy to David for picking out this great music. But I this, yeah. just something about this song always gets me going.
0: Listen, man. There were some great freaking games. Absolutely. And, and, and that last one, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to sit here and tell you that I did that a little bit because, you know, I'm biased. <laughs> but... There's a team out there that nobody's talking about and nobody's given enough credit to, and they've now in consecutive weeks beaten two big time programs in the SEC. It, it's it's about time. It, it, I, now, don't get me wrong. This upcoming week, and we'll talk about this in a second. This upcoming week is going to be a big time test for that team. But let's start off with
2: what we want to start off with. Let's go. And that we're going to start off with, there is a new number one team as Alabama surprisingly falls to Texas A&M 41-38. Surprising is the understatement of the year. <laughs> Snapped a year. hundred
1: game year. winning streak for Alabama against unranked teams. A hundred game winning streak. So
2: now that puts Alabama at number five. They dropped four spots. So my question to you guys and the listeners is, is, since we're going to start off with here, should Alabama be slightly worried after taking a terrible loss and a big drop in the rankings for this remainder of the season? Give us your thoughts on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Whistle one That's B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. I personally, I don't think... Bama should be worried. You think they should be worried? As because of Georgia. Lootly. Well, Georgia, yeah. Well, but see, here's the thing.
0: They're going to... They're probably coming out of the 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 SEC West, Uh-huh. Georgia more than likely is coming out of the East
2: for so, the SEC.
0: So they're going to be in the SEC. They'll still be able to be in the SEC. Yeah. Bama loses that game. They're done. They're done. Oh yeah. They're done. The only way that they had a chance to get in is if they went through the season undefeated, and then if they lost to Georgia, which I think any, I still think could, every, everybody's going to lose to Georgia this yeah. <laughs> year because that that offense is my minutes away from catching up to that defense. And when that happens, Georgia's going to be pretty much untouchable. And But that being said, this showed that Alabama's defense is nowhere near what it's been in years past. It is not elite like it has been in years past. You can run on them. You can throw on them. And Texas A&M by no means – is anywhere near as good as Georgia.
2: No, absolutely not. That's why, like you said, Georgia has just been absolute dominant this season. Off, Like you said, offense is starting to get there. Defense has just been outstanding. But that's why, yeah, Texas A&M, they just kind of, they showed up and they weren't afraid of big old scary Alabama that they've been for the past God knows how many years. I can't even keep count of it. But... Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with you. And, like, the way how you put it out, David, is that Bama will meet Georgia in the SEC Championship. And, like you said, they lose, they're out. And compared to the other teams that they're sticking behind, besides Oklahoma, I don't think that they can contend with.
0: But once yeah. once again, you, you have all these teams. I don't think Iowa gets through the se- their season unscathed. And if they do, they're going to meet either Ohio State or Penn State in the Big Ten Championship And I think a a healthy Penn State and a a seasoned Ohio State beats Iowa in that game. So Iowa then falls. So who from the Big Ten goes in? It's either going to be Ohio State or Penn State. Cincinnati, the only game that they need to be worried about is the SMU game in my eyes. And even then, they're playing in Cincinnati, so they'll probably win out the season. So then it's, does Oklahoma make go th- through the season? And that brings us to the the second game of the day. That Well, actually, it was the first game of the day. Yeah. But that might, in my eyes, have been the best Red River shootout I've ever watched in my entire life. And I'm just going to say it right now. Rattler doesn't see the field for the rest of the year. Caleb Williams is the real deal. And that whole team... Woo! Did they get pumped up when he came into that game? I don't know if there's a player on that team that likes Rattler.
2: I, I, I'm being real. That was a huge turnaround. As so, Oklahoma wins against uh, Longhorns, fifty-five to forty-eight. Down yeah. 20, twenty-one Twenty-one
1: point yeah. Yeah. points. Yeah, and Rattler, like you said, goes from Heisman favorite to now he's going to be holding a clipboard right in oh, the bench. Well, no, yeah. I,
0: I I texted Andrew at one point and goes. I went. uh, oh, somebody's about to enter the draft or the transfer, transfer portal. portal. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to see the no. He's he's just not. It, there's there's no way that after that performance from Caleb Williams right. that you let Rattler see yeah, that but field. barring injury,
2: he shouldn't barring. see the now, field. I okay. So that's what it was. It was a sl- like an injury that why no no. Yeah, no, they, 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 they straight up benched him. Them. Really, no, I didn't get a chance him. to
1: watch that game. Uh, yeah, I'm saying. He shouldn't feel the f- see the field again unless there's an injury.
2: Barring well, no, injury, he's, he's on the what bench. Williams, did no, no, for Oklahoma to straight bring up. Back. Yeah. <laughs> Stoops had e- it after his uh, second Lincoln, interception. Yeah, Riley interception. straight up went up to
0: him and said, "You're on the bench."
2: Wow. Yeah. So do you say? Can, do you think that? The Sooners is a much different team now if they got Caleb Williams They under have center.
0: confidence with him. You could see it. As soon as he came on the field, he took control, and he started moving that team down the field. And it didn't just affect the offense. That defense started playing lights out like they've been talking Oklahoma is an elite defense, shutting down. Texas that was just running down the field on them constantly, that defense started playing to that elite level and shutting them down. It was unbelievable to watch the momentum completely shift.
2: I'm gonna have to go back and, and watch some of those. I saw the ending. Some of
0: that. those, some of the the throws and catches during that game were amazing. I saw that one
2: amazing. I saw that one by Williams where he's scrambling. He's running. He's running up by the line of scrimmage and slings it down uh right side of the field and. Unbelievable spot of where it was. Just just unbelievable plays. And the funny Um, thing is, I'm not going to lie, I thought that was Rattler. I didn't know that that was Williams (laughs) in there. So now seeing this, this is interesting to see of how the remainder of Oklahoma's season is going to be Ooh, probably keeping Williams. Andrew
0: just sent me a text and goes, Williams for Rattler is like Brady for Bledsoe. Very good comparison. I like that comparison. That's a very good comparison. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, That being said, I want to move on to the team that nobody is talking about, and I'm starting to get really, really torqued off about it. They are legit SEC contender, and if they were in the West, I would probably pick them over Alabama right now. Kentucky? Kentucky is legit, ladies and gentlemen, and it has everything to do with their starting quarterback who came through transfer portal and their wide receiver, they have an elite, elite offense at Kentucky now. And it's not just running, it's passing. And Will Levis brings an energy and excitement to that field that they haven't had there. That, that Kentucky stadium was on Fire on Saturday night. And this is the first time, and I can't remember when, when they've beaten both Florida and LSU in consecutive weeks and made both of them look like trash.
2: They they caught my eye once they beat Florida. Because, I mean, I've never been big. I've never considered Kentucky to be a football school. They never really happened. They're always basketball. But seeing this season and seeing how that well they played, they smacked LSU 42 to 21. They're looking legit and seeing them at number 11. I, I don't disagree. I, I disagree heartedly.
0: They should be in the top 10. They should probably even be higher than 11, eight or eight or seven. I would rank them. I'm sorry. Right now. I would rank them higher than Alabama. Alabama has a loss. Wow. Kentucky does not. And they Kentucky, Kentucky beat the pants off of Florida. Whereas Alabama barely escaped a, with a win against Florida.
1: They they only won by a touchdown though, so It was a lot uh, it was a dominant game, but to drop to to tell them jump that far up that's that, I would that, I that's that's a big jump. And,
0: and I get that it's a big jump. I'm saying it's eyeball
1: eyeball test. Eyeball test
0: yeah. When you yeah. look at a yeah. team, they are better than than Alabama right now.
2: That, right now. That's a bold statement. I I can't agree with that. But, I mean, I see what you're coming from because Kentucky has been looking a hell lot better than everyone thinks about. And I agree with you. They're not talked about as much. But, I think they should be.
0: But the test comes this Saturday. Yeah, playing yes.
2: Georgia. Uh, Georgia. In Georgia. Yeah. And a big big
1: concern, just looking at the numbers, I don't know much about the Kentucky team. The six picks from and, Levis. Six picks to 11 touchdowns. Uh, the,
0: the, the six picks for Levis have come... In, I think two of them have been like Hail Mary kind okay, of plays. See, yeah. Okay, kind of So that's where the of quarter is actually
1: watching as opposed and, and, to looking and at numbers. Like I said, I'm biased. He's yeah.
0: a former Penn State player who transferred there, and as soon as he did, I went, all right, Kentucky's legit. Mm-hmm. Kentucky's got a legit chance to make some noise. And darn it, they have. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I, I expect this to come down, this this Kentucky-Georgia game, to come down to the fourth quarter. And if Georgia dominates Kentucky the way they've dominated everybody else, it's Georgia and everybody else at that
2: point. Absolutely. Oh, I agree. The spread for that game is 23 and a half.
0: For Georgia. I would take that in a heartbeat. I, I don't, once again, I don't think people are giving Kentucky enough credit.
2: Well, no one's taking them seriously because they're known for basketball, they're not usually big on a football team. It's yeah. different this year. And, and outside of different. Florida,
1: that's really their only statement win so far. If they do something against Georgia, they're on the map. Don't be
2: surprised. If they a- are. If it's a close game against yeah. Georgia, then yeah. I can see them... Being better, like rank them higher than Alabama. But see,
0: that's the problem. They lose to Georgia. They're going to get, they're, they're going to get dinged they're for gonna it. Drop. Oh, they but are. I think it'll be closer than anybody thinks it's going to be.
2: No, I, I I agree with you.
1: Yeah, and real quick, just before we move on from this, how about Arkansas going for a two point conversion with time expiring, <laughs> going for the win? They didn't get it. You're, Miss. you're either
0: on one side of the yeah. fence or the other. You either really love the call and hate the play call that they made. Mm-hmm. Or you go, why didn't you just try and tie it and try to win it in overtime? It, it was one of, those, one of those things.
2: Well, the Bulls are 3-0 and in the preseason, and they have one more game left. We have some strong takes on the Bulls for this upcoming season. Stay around here on Blow the Whistle. The Chicago Bulls go 3-0 in the preseason as they beat the Cavaliers for the second time in the preseason, 1-0-2. To one on one, a lot closer than the Here, first. Here's
0: game. a question for you. Should we start bragging about that like you know Baltimore Ravens brag about being <laughs> three You know, <laughs> can't
2: lose preseason? <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> Undefeated in preseason for four straight years. <laughs> <laughs> or however long the hell it's uh, been.
0: I don't know. That is just I you know what? Go ahead, man. I have got thoughts.
2: <laughs> but yes, the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. And moved up to one oh up one oh two. have moved up to three and oh in the preseason, and they got one more game left. Demar DeRozan, leading scorer for this game with twenty three points, and familiar face on the other side. Lori Market leading scorer for the Cavs, eighteen points. What else do they have? <laughs> Fair enough. Still got Kevin Love for he's some bad like, reason. He's
0: looking at them going, See, I told you I was good.
2: <laughs> I'm a superstar.
0: Where are all so, my other European brethren?
1: So that leads yeah. me to I was gonna say much closer than the first time these two teams played though, just what last week. Yeah, they've got
0: Taco Fall, Jeremy, and it torques me off that he's not with Boston anymore. I know, I miss. By that. the way you want a great you want a great follow on Instagram follow Taco Fall, amazing Instagram
2: really yes alright fantastic I'll have to give I'll put him I'll have him follow I'll follow him on our Blow the Whistle account maybe we'll get a follow back back. oh that'd be amazing I would do anything to get him on the show (gasps) imagine getting him in the studio (laughs) good lord all right, let's get on, let's get on track. Did you come to his kneecap? <laughs> Probably.
0: <laughs> Sorry, had to do it. I apologize. I had to do it. This is my show today. I'm hosting.
2: <laughs> Unacceptable. Wow. All right, let's it's get on. It's been a here. while since we've had a real bull segment like this. Hey, this, is, this is a bunch of bull. <laughs> this is a bunch of bull. All right, back on track. Let's get back on track. First off and foremost, I'm Tyler Beterbaugh. Along with <laughs> I'm Brandon Januska. I'm David Dykstra. And Jeremy Stout are still on the board. The so. ones and twosies. We're still here. We're still here. So, <laughs> question I had to all of you guys and the listeners is, despite the Bulls defense looking a little lighter in last night's game, can we still believe the Bulls defense will be Little more solid this year compared to last year. Uh, let us know on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blow T Whistle One. That's blowtwhistle One. So, yeah, the defense didn't look as light or looked lighter last year compared to the first two games. But again, it's I'm not going to make the like, excuse that it's it's preseason because I'm using oh, bulls are three and zero preseason. Blah, blah, blah. But I'm not. I'm still not worried though about the uh, about the Bulls' defense uh, giving up a little more points because I mean I think the Bulls just came out firing in that first the first few games uh, in the preseason, but they're still looking um, a hell lot better than they did last
0: year. I I would have to say it, it looked to me yesterday that they were giving some of the veterans some 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 time. And they were looking at, at some of their younger guys and some of the guys that, that might end up making the team, but not necessarily being uh,
1: a lot of minutes, a lot
0: like. of big time contributors. Mm-hmm. But they they wanted to see what they had behind those those guys that they know what they've got.
2: Yeah, no, I mean if you look at here, the, I mean Caruso still had twenty six minutes. Derek Jones Jr. 16 that like they were playing a lot more of the the bench guys. Yeah. Which, which is good because, I mean. You don't want to wear out your, your starting no, guys. You in already the pre- made. Season,
0: it. Even though you want to go undefeated in the preseason because that's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it did. <laughs> it did seem to me. I've just broke Tyler so hard. This is um, twice in a row. Two shows in a row. You broke me. <laughs> It just seems to me that they're they're doing it right. They're they're seeing what they have behind the guys that are going to be the establishment for the Bulls for the next season or two. And then, okay, so we've got we know what we have here. Let's see what we got behind them and see how much of, you know, we can get out of them going forward.
2: Yeah, no, that's I mean, that's the biggest thing to look at, too, because I mean, obviously, We've all seen this new Bulls starting five is looking absolutely remarkable. Better
0: than the Nets are right now.
2: I, I pfft, That is a statement that I might <laughs> s- But Well, when you
0: have a player that can only play part-time, I mean.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but, no, this Bulls team is looking a lot. After seeing them, it's just... Not I mean not so much that, that the fact that it's preseason, just seeing the chemistry and seeing these guys playing along with each other looking so much better than I think everyone expected. We all know like we saw the names when they when they did the, the offseason, season signing trades and all that good stuff and got excited. But one player that I that has been like I've been loving to see and surprising me the most is Lonzo Ball as everyone kind of thought his career was over. Last season, he set career high of three-point percentage. Now, he is absolutely lights out behind three, and what I'm loving is that he totally changed his shooting form. His shooting form from the big get-go was absolutely broken, and it just looked horrible, but now he's actually got a, a good-looking shooting form, and he's knocking down these threes. So not only are you getting defense out of Lonzo, not only getting playmaking out of Lonzo, but you're getting him as a shooter as well. So th- he's gonna be dangerous this season. David, you have a You hope. <laughs> I, I, th- once again,
0: it's preseason. I know. Yeah. I, and and I, I I love that he's put the work in to change his shooting stroke. I love the fact that he he's worked on his game. There are some individuals, aka in Philadelphia, that <laughs> refuse to do that <laughs> and have gotten themselves. You're just attacking all oh, these NBA players. There's so many that I can attack. But that being said, it's nice to see someone evolve and, yes. and learn that okay, this isn't working. What do I need to do to make it work and make myself a more complete player? And if he's going to do this in the regular season, we're now the Bulls are now getting. A player who can score, distribute, and even rebound in an elite level. And that's scary because then, no offense to Zach Levine, the pressure to re sign Levine isn't so much.
2: Yeah, that that is a good point. As long, I mean, Levine's defense has stepped up too, but I'm, I gotta say, Ball's defense is definitely better than Levine. So, I mean, that puts in an interesting point, but I mean I would still think that the Bulls would consider keeping Levine, depending on how big this contract that Levine wants to extend to. But I'm saying this right now, I wouldn't be surprised. I could see Lonzo Ball depend if he's playing at the level that he's been playing on preseason, playing this season, he could be considered most improved player of the year because he's been kind of pooped on like in the past couple of years with New Orleans. And no one really take, took notice on how he, he's been changing his shot form. And he put up solid numbers last year. No, that's kind of just got buried under the rug. But now I think with him in a bigger market in Chicago and now with all the other big names and now Chicago Bulls is their stock of being a, a contender in the East is going up. I think Lonzo Ball is going to get a lot more of the credit that he, rightfully so, deserves.
0: I, I, I would agree. You know... A, a great point that was brought up to me by Andrew uh, DeRosa looks like he's 26 again.
2: Mm-hmm. That's another and, name,
0: and and just playing great basketball. And it it's amazing sometimes what a change of scenery will do for a player. Ball realized that that you know the Bulls wanted a little more than just a distributor for the team. So, and it also gives you the ability to maybe, I I would hate to see it happen, but maybe say oh pelicans you need a point guard we've got this great point guard who's a shooter lights out his name's kobe white what can we get for it
2: zion no. <laughs> <laughs> i do not <laughs> never want, i happen. do not
0: i do not want charles Barkley 2.0 <laughs> coming and trust me it kills me to say this Z- i was one of the biggest zion fans in the world that boy is 350 pounds of <laughs> he's a dime He has hit the beignets a little too hard. He is out of shape. He looks horrible. He plays horrible. And it's going to be very interesting to me to see how that develops.
2: I agree. Well, Blackhawks start their season this Wednesday. We will tell you how we feel about this team with the new additions here on Blow the Whistle. Welcome back to Blow the Whistle, and as always, I am Tyler Beaterball along with Brandon, Brandon Januska. Why are you dancing? <laughs> I thought you were going to introduce me. Said why Brandon. You, Brandon, why are
0: you dancing in the seat there, buddy? Are you excited? Somebody's yeah, a little, little excited. Bit. Someone's giddy. A little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, he is going to be the voice of the Blackhawks next year. Somewhere. Oh, he
2: will. <laughs> you think he'll remember us when he gets when big? When he's
0: all big and mighty and we're Who just peons? You? Yeah. Jeremy will
1: just
2: take your spot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know Jeremy. That's. I'll remember Jeremy. I'll, I'll remember Jeremy. <laughs> I'll remember Jeremy. <laughs> All right.
2: Well, the Chicago Blackhawks start the regular season this Wednesday, facing the Avalanche. And so, a question I have: it might be a little too early, too soon, but to you guys and the listeners, and to you guys, I'm gonna go off a of Brandon first. But uh, what? <laughs> What <laughs> with these new additions that the Blackhawks have made over the off season, where would you put them, or where would you expect them to be this season? Let us know on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blow T Whistle One. That's below W T W H I S T L E One. So our Blackhawks guru, Brandon Januska.
0: Can I just say Can I, can I just say three yeah, words yeah, that, <laughs> that, that'll just emphasize his excitement? Mark Andre Fleury.
2: That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to (laughs) – I'm dittoing that with you, my friend. Who's that?
0: (laughs) 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 Future Hall of Fame goalie elite and has looked every bit of the part so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Blackhawks have added on every level. Marc-Andre Fleury, the huge addition in goal, Uh, the trade for Seth Jones. And then, honestly, their biggest piece in terms of forwards that they get back – it's not a new addition, it's just something they didn't have last year. And that's Jonathan Taze. Jonathan Taze is back on the ice for the Hawks and he looks good at least in the in Preseason play, and they're done with the preseason. Something that they were lacking last year was winning at the dot. And I said it time and time again last year this is why they missed Taze. This is a huge reason why they missed Taze. They can't win faceoffs. They suck at faceoffs. Jonathan Taze should be here. Jonathan Taze won 69% of his faceoffs, 51 of 74 faceoffs during the preseason. He looks good. He is picking up where he left off. He's racking up assists. He scored a beautiful uh shootout goal in the first game. Jonathan Taze looks everything that the Blackhawks were missing last year from that spot. So that's excitement to begin with. And then you throw in all the other additions that they get. Seth Jones, Caleb Jones is hurt. he was playing well. He'll come back eventually and and get a spot on that defensive front, that blue line as well. But, I mean, there's so much to be excited about with this team. And, yeah, I definitely think the playoffs – are the goal at this point. This is a team that can contend and should contend for the playoffs.
2: So you're, you're expecting playoffs yeah. this season? Yeah, uh, with, okay. with
1: the additions that they got, uh, contract, it's going to be tight with money after this season because Seth Jones, is con- his big contract kicks in. So they're going in to try and win this year. We, we know for the next few years, but this year is the start of that competitive window. Last,
2: last season, they were fairly close to the playoffs. They had that... Really good run. Surprise, I think, everyone in Chicago. Yeah. And then they kind of they just fell a little short of the playoffs. So, I mean, with these additions, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that playoffs would be the goal right now.
0: Uh, do you think, I guess one of my big questions is if Flurry's not long to be here very long, I would say may, this season and maybe the next, maybe. So, do you think? his knowledge and his expertise is he going to be a teacher along with being an, an elite goalie to to teach these the two young goalies that they had last year how to be an NHL goalie and and play well.
1: Yeah, and that's a, a big reason why I was excited when they got him. Obviously, you're getting an elite goalie who won the Vesna Trophy last year for the best goalie in the league, so he's still at a high level. Just, he's not just Hall of Fame career, oh, got him on the back end. He's still one of the best goalies in the NHL right now. And, yeah, I think Kevin Lankanen is going to be able to learn a lot from him. He's already said that he's learned from him, and it's still the preseason. So I think that's going to be a great tandem between the two of them so that Lankanen can eventually take over.
0: Okay, uh, I guess – expectations are, are, are we putting them very high? Brandon, or are we putting them mediocre high with a possibility of being high? Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> like I, Stanley <laughs> cup or bust. No, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not I'm, there, but I'm not,
0: I'm not going to sit here and lie to you with Tays back. Kane playing completely a different kind of hockey than he's played in years past where He's more of a team player. I'm not showtime, but still showtime when he needs to be. And then you have all these other pieces that have come along. I don't see why the Blackhawks shouldn't be thinking Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, and I think that is the mindset for them. Fans don't, it's not the, hey, they're the favorites. They're not the favorites. They're not going to be the favorites Mm -hmm. unless they totally come out and, and kick butt during the season. But I think playoffs are definitely the base like that's yeah, that's that's the least that you yeah, should, should expect the playoffs. The playoffs should be expected for this team with the additions that they made with the talent that they have, the pieces coming back and everything, like you said. So yeah, playoffs should be expected. And then obviously once you're in anything can happen, but yeah, I think they, this is a team that is built to be able to take a, make a deep run. Okay.
2: And you, you just brought up about uh additions. Earlier today, the Blackhawks are bringing back uh, defenseman Eric Gustafson. Is that my saying G- this? Gustafson. Gustafson on a one-year deal. He was released by the Islanders, and this deal is about is worth eight hundred thousand dollars. So he he was on the Blackhawks before, right? Yeah, he started his career with the Hawks, played okay, I three three that. or four seasons with them. So with this addition, do you like this addition? Do you like this? Uh, like, does this help more on the defensive side?
1: Yeah, I mean, he'll, he's he'll he's not going to be skating with the top line, but he's a, another depth piece, which is good with guys like, I've mentioned Caleb Jones suffered an injury. He's out right now. So with these guys being hurt, the guys that are down, it's just another depth piece that they can rotate in. I don't know all the details of his contract. They might be able to send him down to Rockford as well, a two-way contract. So, I mean, it's just... Another piece. You can never have enough good. I mean, it's like baseball. You can never have enough good pitching. You can never not have enough good D-men in <laughs> hockey. So, I mean, I, I like the piece. He's He's been here, played with the Hawks. He knows some of the guys. Obviously, a lot of the core guys are gone. But he, he's, he's been around, and he's a solid pickup. Okay, so uh,
0: I guess m- I, I got a question. Give me a name of a player. That you either think is going to take the next step to being an elite player for the Blackhawks, or a guy that no one's really thinking about that you think is going to step up and become a critical key component to this team.
1: Okay, taking the next step, Ian Mitchell. Ian Mitchell is <laughs> there was no hesitation <laughs> that was, that was there at snappy. all. Yeah, yeah there I was have no Ian end. Mitchell. I mean, he was a top draft pick. I have him taking that next step on the blue line and. He really stepping up his play as a defenseman. Um, in terms of, you said just who no one's talking about, really no talking one's talking about, about, but
0: you think might um, might take a step in surprise because there were a couple people last year that you were like, shockingly enough, this guy has really played above his head. So is there someone that you might see? Yeah, I mean
1: last year's the guy was kind of Brandon Hagel in my mind, the yeah. guy who just came out of nowhere and it's like, wow, this guy, this guy's good. <laughs> he, he's great. Um, I think Hagel will continue to progress as well. Uh Entwistle has looked good so far in the preseason. He's kind of a borderline to to make the cut, whether okay. or not he gets sent down or, or stays up. But if he, he's looked good in the opportunities he had. He could be kinda like the next Hegel-esque type in terms of when he does get that opportunity to play, he'll make the most make the of most of his, his time, make the most of his uh his chances. And then the other one, a name that is a little more known but is kinda in the doghouse as of late because of just brain lapses, bad mistakes, some bad plays. In Dylan Strom, I expect him to try to come out and make the most of the opportunities that he has because there's not a guarantee he's on the roster at this point either with the additions because, again, he's he's kind of the odd man out. It's like a lot of promise there, hasn't really lived up to it, but I, I think he'll – it's a prove-it year right now for him as well. I think he'll try to take that next step up.
0: Okay. That's a great, great information, man. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what this season brings for him.
2: Definitely excited for the start of the Blackhawks (laughs) season this year. Starts on Wednesday, two days away. (laughs) Update in Colorado. But unfortunately, guys, the worst part of the day. That ends our show today of Blow the Whistle. Thank you to all of our listeners. Everywhere, even on the Under the Hood podcast, we appreciate you guys giving us all the love and stuff. If for some reason you guys have missed this show, which I don't know why the hell you guys would be missing our shows, you can still find us on Brandon Help Me Out if I miss him (laughs) out. I didn't know that was a site. <laughs> uh, Brandon help me out.com. Uh, uh, Anchor. I, I, I should start that. We're really on should.
1: Anchor, anchor.fm, Spotify, we are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, QuadPod Network. Basically anywhere this is why you I listen just throw to it straight to him when it comes uh, yeah. to this stuff. Uh, the Under the Hood podcast. Uh, basically anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can probably find
2: Blow the Whistle. The list is in a podcast bible, ladies and gentlemen. We are everywhere. <laughs> but again, thank you everyone for listening. I am Tyler Beterbaugh. Brandon Januska. <laughs> <laughs> I'm David Deicher, and thanks
0: to our Under the Hood, uh, anybody from the Under the Hood podcast that is a new listener or keeps listening to us. We appreciate it.
2: And thank you to our intern, Jeremy Stouter, for running the board today as... Maybe he'll, maybe he'll be more than an intern. We'll see. we'll keep Stay <laughs> tuned for next week. <laughs> Again, everyone have a safe rest of the week as it is getting crappy outside on the weather right now, so I'll, hopefully we drive safe too. But have a great rest of the week, guys, and enjoy the weekend. We will be here next Monday on Blow the Whistle.